The thing is, friend, that we don't even know if we are getting close to seeing all of these stories. If it is anything like my domain, it is almost infinite. What's that, friend? A mansion is very different to a cave system. I suppose you're right. It's only a matter of time until we see them all. What's this? This wall is all stone bricks that keep on shifting. It looks like a bit of a puzzle. At certain points, these symbols on each row line up. Maybe if I... Ah, yes. Once they line up, if I touch them, the row stops moving. Fantastic. That was easy. Let's go in. Jimmy, you're here. We are. Who are you? I appreciate my anonymity, if that's okay with you. You never know who's listening. These walls are unpredictable. Whatever makes you feel better. Do you have any information on how to get out of here? I know that the butler has the real power here. He controls everything. He has spies everywhere. Now that we have heard, though we haven't seen that side of him. You will see it eventually. He comes across as a good guy in the beginning. That is how he drew my spirit here in the first place. He tricked me and brought my remains to rest here. So now I'm stuck here like everyone else. Well, we aren't dead yet. We've been told to witness all of the stories to release the hold. He won't let you. He'll trick you like everyone else. We shall see. If I can give you one piece of advice. Sure. Find his remains. Destroy them. We'll keep that in mind. Though we are focusing on witnessing all of these stories first. Don't underestimate him is all I ask. You are our last hope. Well... We will do anything to get home. So if that will help everyone else be released, I guess you are all in luck. (laughs) Thank you, Jimmy and friend. Sincerely. Rampart. Written by Amy Gretsch. Narrated by Rebecca Strazina. When Charles Rampart looked up from his book and squinted through glasses as thick as slices of bread, he swore the vase in the far corner of his study had moved. 
It had been knocked askew, not tipped or broken, but definitely had shifted slightly at the exact moment he felt a sudden jolt as the walls crept forward. His noble castle creaked and moaned. A fire flickered lazily in the fireplace to his right, creating strange shadows that seemed to sway. Charles cowered in the wavering light, dreading the inevitable. He shut his book and set it down quickly on the end table by his side. Reluctantly, he rose from his comfortable red leather chair and shuffled over to the delicate vase resting on the middle of a polished cherry table near the entranceway. After considerable effort, he managed to lift it for a closer look. Nothing was out of the ordinary to explain the shift. He returned the vase to its proper place, then cried. He'd become aware of these subtle shifts gradually, obvious only to a keen observer. Charles watched and waited, hoping his overactive imagination simply played tricks on him. As days turned into weeks, the bizarre phenomenon became impossible to deny. He wanted to tell his beloved wife, but dreaded doing so because he knew she would reason her way out of what she considered his delusional paranoia. Susan tiptoed into the study and stopped short at the sight of him weeping openly. (laughs) Charles, what's got you so upset? Charles shook his head vigorously. Do you see that vase over there? Of course I do. She laid a reassuring hand on his shoulder. What about it? He balled his unsteady hands into fists. It just moved. I watched it. Susan rolled her eyes. Oh, don't be foolish. It's impossible to see anything in this dim light, let alone the vase on the other side of the room. She extinguished the fire. You look exhausted. Your eyes must be playing tricks. That happens sometimes when you're tired. I know what I saw. He looked around, desperately searching for an explanation. Come to bed. Everything will look better in the morning, I promise. Susan coaxed him upstairs. All the while, he stared at the floor, unable to bear the dreadful sight of the walls closing in. His wife frowned. What's wrong now? She took his hand and held it tight. Charles worked up the nerve to take a quick look around. I do believe my castle is trying to destroy me, little by little. His voice mirrored his shaky movements. Prove it, Susan raised her eyebrows. He pointed to the vase. Look, that vase isn't even with the door. It was this afternoon. Explain that. Oh, there's nothing to explain. That vase hasn't moved in years. Her eyes lit up. You probably kicked that table by mistake, and that's why it doesn't look right. Accidents happen. She kissed him, tucked him in, and got into her side of the bed. The next morning, Charles woke early and felt well enough to venture downstairs alone to the kitchen. Not wanting to wake Jeff, the butler, He prepared a feast for Susan and himself of scrambled eggs, bacon, French toast, orange juice, and coffee. Charles placed everything on an enormous tray and set it down gently on the dining room table, trying hard not to look at the walls along the way. 
much to his dismay. They had shifted a bit. He noticed a slight difference. Early in the morning, the picture of Susan at the far end of the room was even with the china cabinet. But now, it seemed much closer to the dining room table. Too close. He shook his head and shut his eyes. A minute later, Charles opened them. Alarmed to find the picture closer still. Terrified, he rushed upstairs to get his wife. She had just finished dressing and met him in the hallway. What's wrong now? Susan took him by the hand and led him downstairs, afraid he might trip and tumble down headfirst in such an agitated state. The walls moved right in front of me. Like a frightened child, Charles cringed wide eyes. Come see for yourself. She sighed, tired of these grueling episodes. Show me where. In the dining room, he led her to the scene. Your picture doesn't line up with the china cabinet anymore. Susan examined the china cabinet. Well, that is odd. Are you sure Jeff didn't move it? Oh, let's ask him. Charles yanked the golden rope and waited. Moments later, Jeff appeared, distinguished as ever in his morning suit. Can I help you, sir? Jeff, did you clean the dining room yesterday? Charles cocked his head, anxious for tangible evidence. Yes, as I do every day. Did I do an unsatisfactory job? Susan smiled and spoke before her husband could answer. Not at all, but I, I do have one question. Did you forget to put the china cabinet back where it belonged? No, I didn't move the cabinet. It's much too heavy for one man to move single-handedly. I call in part-time movers every six weeks to help me clean behind such furniture. Jeff scratched his head quite puzzled. If you ask me, it looks perfectly fine where it is. Charles straightened up, his face growing red. I'm telling you, that cabinet moved. I watched it happen. Oh, calm down, Charles. There's no need to panic. There must be a logical explanation. She went over to the offending wall and leaned, willing it to move. Nothing happened. See, this wall is as solid as the stones it was built with. Charles scanned the room, frantically in desperation. He shuffled over to the troublesome wall and caressed the cold stones with rough fingers. Then he looked at his wife with a heavy face. I'll have you know something awful went into the building of this castle. His wife peered at him. Charles, I think you should sit down before you fall. Jeff helped Charles over to the table. Susan sat down next to her distraught husband and held his hand. Charles took a long drink of orange juice. I want you to understand what I have done to help put things into perspective. I want you to know why my castle is trying to kill me. She gave his hand a little squeeze. Go on, tell me I'd give anything to know what's going on here. You know, I had this castle built during the Depression, stone by stone. Charles gripped his glass of juice so hard his knuckles were turning white. His wife nodded. Yes, dear, that was 30 years ago. What's your point? Jeff shook his head, but perhaps I should leave. No, stay. 
Charles said, and then cleared his throat. I took great pains to create an authentic atmosphere worthy of royalty. I had these stones imported from England, back where our ancestors lived. Little did I know that most of them, especially the ones on the second floor, were actually headstones, filched from local graveyards, stolen from their rightful owners, the dearly departed. I was not there to oversee the unearthing. I only found out after the fact. By then, this castle had already been built. He shook his head. Some people have no respect for the dead. Silence filled the room. Charles continued. I have a hunch the walls are being moved by the headstone's former owners. Jeff stared at the cold flagstone floor beneath him. Susan scoffed. Ghosts? That's ridiculous. She shook her head for a long time. Even if, oh, even if, why would they wait so long to seek revenge? Jeff shrugged. Everyone's patience has limits, even the dearly departed. Susan glared at the butler. Don't encourage his delusions. She helps Charles to his feet. Charles made his way over to the other end of the room and pointed to a stone that he had hidden behind the china cabinet. And the dead know who I am. I didn't notice the etchings until much later. Come over here and I'll show you what I mean. Susan and Jeff followed close behind. He paused in front of a flat stone with these words etched upon it. Scarcely legible, but unmistakably there. Here lies Richard Rampart, 1856 to 1916. Your grandfather? Susan gasped. They're coming for me. Charles clutched his chest and collapsed. Susan screamed. The butler called an ambulance. The paramedics let Susan ride in the back with her husband. When they arrived at the hospital, the prognosis was encouraging. Dr. Hartwell told Susan that Charles had suffered a mild heart attack and he would have to be kept overnight for observation. Sedated, he slept soundly. She stayed by his side until the doctor discharged him the following morning. Are you feeling better, sir? Jeff greeted them at the door when the silver Rolls Royce pulled up. Quite, Charles winked. Susan pulled Jeff aside to whisper in his ear. Dr. Hartwell said he needs plenty of bed rest and no nasty surprises. Understood, the butler nodded. But Charles shook her off and wandered the hallway checking the stones for inscriptions. Finding one that was illegible, but slightly visible, he flinched. The walls have moved again. I just saw it happen with my own eyes. Susan and the butler hurried to his voice. Charles looked at them. I felt the tremors, he shuddered. With quivering fingers, Charles touched the stones, observing its roughness and permanence of the letters carved upon it. Jeff cleared his throat. Mr. Rampart, frightening though they are, I'm sure we've experienced an earthquake and nothing more. This is California, after all, just a mild quake at that. 
Nothing to worry over. Susan shook her head. Not now, Jeff. Can't you see I've got my hands full? The butler frowned. Sorry, madame. Just trying to put things into perspective. Jeff headed for the kitchen. Susan tightened her grip on Charles' arm and shot Jeff a dirty look. You're still delirious, Charles. Come with me. You need your rest. She led her husband to the bedroom, took off his shoes, and helped him into bed. He struggled to sit up. Susan, I'm hungry. Where's my lunch? I'll ring Jeff and have him bring it to you right away. Susan tugged on the golden rope dangling next to the bed. Moments later, the butler appeared with a tray of cucumber sandwiches and two glasses of lemonade, Charles's favorite meal. Lunch is served. He set it down on the bed next to Charles. Thank you, Jeff. Now you may go. Susan smiled and sat down on the edge of the bed next to her husband. Jeff bowed and left the room. Charles devoured half of the sandwiches in record time. You must be feeling better. Susan helped herself to a sandwich before Charles polished them off. I see your appetite's back. That's a good sign. He shook his head. I won't rest until I'm certain the walls have stopped moving. She laughed. Oh, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Charles pulled the covers up to his chin. Don't be too sure. Charles lay in his bedroom alone. He felt the walls advancing on him. He'd seen them advancing all along, but he had no idea how to make them stop. He took off his glasses and set them down carefully on the nightstand. Then he shut his eyes and drifted off into a troubled sleep. Charles dreamed he was reading in his study again when the walls rushed at him from all sides. It happened so fast he couldn't get his chair out before being sandwiched between them with no hope of escape. He awoke with a start and squinted until he realized he wasn't wearing his glasses. When Charles put them on, he realized all four walls actually had closed in slightly while he slept. Frantically, he struggled to get up, but stopped after a few seconds with the bed crushed between them and he couldn't budge. Charles strained to yank the golden rope dangling down next to the bed until he heard Jeff and Susan rush up the stairs to his aid. He clutched the bed covers in trembling hands. Going on. When Susan jiggled the doorknob, the door didn't budge. Honey, open the door. He screamed. I'm trapped between the walls. Now do you believe me? What? Open the door. Try to hang on, sir, Jeff shouted. Susan and I will try our best to rescue you. Help me before I'm crushed. There isn't much time. Charles' voice cracked with strain. They threw their weight against the door in a futile attempt to break it down. The wood didn't even splinter. Charles could hear Jeff's voice. I'll fetch a crowbar. It seemed Jeff was gone for an eternity. Charles lay helplessly pinned by the walls, desperately hoping nothing would move. He felt a twinge of hope when he heard the butler return and he could hear the man prying at the door. Suddenly, 
There was a low rumble overhead that sounded like thunder. Charles could hear the butler drop the crowbar. It clattered and slipped between the cracks of rapidly growing fissures in the cold flagstone floor beneath him. Charles heard Susan's voice from the door on the other side. Are you still there, honey? He shrieked in reply. The rumbling ceased. The lights flickered, but thankfully stayed on, providing some comfort. Outside the bedroom door, Jeff frowned and turned to Susan. It sounds like Charles was right after all. Susan opened her mouth to answer, but was cut short by a headstone that landed smack down on top of her. Jeff staggered backwards as the castle crumbled around him. Row after row of flagstone dominoes, far too many to count. A hailstorm of headstones landed this way and that. The final blow knocked Jeff off to the ground. His death delivered swiftly by a headstone which read, Here lies Richard Rampart, 1856. 1916. You've been listening to the Night's End podcast is a production of Dissonance Media. Rampart is written by Amy Gretsch. Amy has sold over 100 stories to various anthologies and magazines, including A New York State of Fright, Apex Magazine, Beat to a Pulp, Hard Boiled, Dead Harvest, Dead Man's Tome Campfire Tales Book 2, and many more. She is an active member of the Horror Writers Association and the international thriller writers who lives in New York. You can contact Amy on Twitter at Amy underscore Gretsch or visit her website www.crimsonscreams.com. This episode was narrated by Rebecca Strazina. Rebecca is the host of the podcast The West London Witch, where they share real stories about all things spooky, strange, mysterious and unexplained. You can find it for free wherever you find your podcast. Link is in the show notes. Jimmy Horrors and the Anonymous Man were performed by James Barnett. This episode was edited and produced by James Barnett. And as always, stay horrific everyone.